0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Hurwitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and minimans, standing at the ready to fight anew for our liberties to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Hurwitz, back in the house. Brand new week here, Tuesday, July six. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed your Independence Day weekend, celebrated our values, tradition, founding history, unalienable rights, and that you guys came out with a resolve to fight anew. I certainly uh, was quite rejuvenated, went on a little camping trip three generations with my father and my youngest son, so I've been a little bit out of the news And it's probably a good thing because the more news from this week piles up, the more I forget about last week. And there's some unsettled business I want to share with you from last week. A lot of important stories I didn't get to in the courts, crime, illegal immigration, terrorist attacks, stuff you don't hear about. You don't even hear about on conservative media. Um, Lots of important things to go through here. But, you know, as We celebrate with fireworks and a barbecue. There's other people who celebrate with a different sort of barbecue and fireworks. We had over the weekend, 142 people killed. 379 shot across the U.S. during July 4th. And the reason I want to bring that up is because... When you have a government, what's the lesson of the Declaration of Independence? We talked about this last week in our special July 4th show. Is that you don't want to abolish the old for light and transient causes even when you're upset with it. That's at its core the ideology of conservatism. You want to conserve the status quo as long as you can. I would have told you in the past... If Had I posed the question, why even have a government? Why have one at all? You'd say, well, Daniel, there'd be anarchy if you didn't have government. And that's true. You see, you have to make sure you have a governing charter that ensures that government cannot infringe upon unalienable rights, life, liberty, property. But you also need a government to ensure that other people don't Infringe upon life, liberty, and property, and you don't have the rule of the jungle, the survival of the fittest, where the strongest person on the street could just beat up anyone else, and you don't have any property or life or limb protected. But folks, this is where we are now in our government. Where the government is instituting tyranny, and we're not even benefiting anything from having the government in the first place. The rampant crime. And not just rampant crime domestically, but they're importing the worst criminals. Anti-American terrorists, anti-Semites from the Middle East. We're going to get to that story today. So we have to import the world's garbage as if we don't have enough of our own. Literally the opposite of what a government is instituted to accomplish. So... What, what I want to say going forward before we talk about some of the news of the day, just philosophically, this is why conservatism as a strategy is dead. You know, my friend um, and I used to work with him at Red State. Obviously, we've gone different ways politically, but he just tweeted out today, anti-establishmentarianism is not conservatism. And I'm thinking... Eric, I mean, geez, Yeah, I mean, no kidding. If you want to look at it in its classical sense, hyper-literally, if anything, they're on opposites. But conservatism has come to mean over the years what really classical liberalism has meant. So it's not worth playing Amelia Bedelia semantics over terminology. But there's something more important in that. He's right. It's not. Except that was coined at a time of the French Revolution when the traditional order, the traditional values was incumbent in government, culture, economy, society. And there were radicals seeking to dislodge it. So you want to push conservatism as an end to itself to conserve what you have. Boy, we don't want that anarchy to take root. But that ship has sailed for the last 30 years, accelerating over the last few, where we now have all these dark forces, not just a sedent, but they are sitting in the powers of, in the levers of power, be it government, be it economy, be it culture, they control everything. There's nothing they don't control. So if you're going to obsess over conservatism as a strategy, all you're going to do is conserve what is antithetical to what we have known to be conservatism. So by definition, to get your foot in the door to one day implement in some form of conservatism, of course you have to be anti-establishment in your thinking. And therein lies the divide. It's not so much between, you know, the traditional conservative and liberal commentators. But it's between those who recognize that the existing system is irremediably broken and those that still have some desire to preserve it. This is why, to me, I'm open to all ideas. Redraw boundaries of states, of cities. Two-state solution. Obviously, fight for autonomous red areas as much as we can. There is no downside. Because we've incurred the downside already. There's only upside. The downside is when things are getting a little bit bad, corrupt, but it could always get worse. There's always some sort of benefit to to the existing structure. Name me one benefit. But here we are, 142 people killed over the weekend. 19 killed, 85 wounded in Chicago. Now you might say, well, Daniel, that's a blue city issue. Indianapolis. Indianapolis. 19 shots, 6 stabbed, 5 killed in 96 hours. Well, Daniel, Indianapolis has become a cesspool. Well, that's kind of the point. But Indiana is a red state, and we're losing all the red state cities. Because Republican legislatures, like the Indiana legislature, has bought into jailbreak. And that's what we need to fix. In all of 2020, there were 48 ambush-style attacks that occurred that left 60 wounded and 12 dead. I'm sorry, I'm talking about cops here. I didn't mention that. It's a 91% increase in ambush-style attacks on law enforcement from the year before. Now let's get into some more interesting tidbits. New data from NYPD. Offenses against Asians surged by 400%. In New York City last year, anti-Semitic attacks went up 69%. Now, who do you think committed those attacks? You see, here's the problem. Not only do we have anarchy, but like I noted, we don't really have anarchy. We have government-directed and driven tyrannical anarchy, anarcho-tyranny. So it's not just... Hey, survival of the fittest, which, believe me, I don't believe in that. I don't want that. I want ordered liberty. But if that's not an option on the menu, I've said many times, I'd rather have plain anarchy and take my chances. You see, you can't take your chances because the anarchy is not passive. It's active. It's being directed by the government at the hands of protected classes to be used as a tool of tyranny. They control and destroy us through their military. Their military are the street thugs, And they make it protected classes. To the detriment of everyone else. You can't even defend yourself against it without getting in trouble. That's another big story I really wanted to delve into last week. So again, there's one thing you're like, yeah, you know, there's a bunch of anarchy. They just block the streets, block the roads. Again, that's the hallmark. The hallmark of a first world country, a developed nation, is that it can control its own streets. But instead, we now have them taking over the streets. But then, if you have to defend yourself against the mob, boy oh boy to the wheels of justice and law enforcement churn quite well without any oil. It's a, it's already a well-oiled machine. That's what I mean when I say there's no purpose to having this government anymore. Which is why, just for our purposes, we need to entertain an all-of-the-above approach to do everything we can to change the current situation. So, New York Post, you might have seen it, but again, we were out of time last week. I want to go over this. A U.S. Army soldier who shot and killed an armed protester, they call him protester, after driving to a BLM demonstration in Texas last summer, has been charged with murder. Okay? Sergeant Daniel Perry was indicted by a Travis County grand jury on murder, aggravated assault, and deadly conduct. This happened last July 25th, when this guy Garrett Foster, BLM dude, um, was came at came at him with a gun. So basically, Sergeant Perry was stationed at Fort Hood, but he was also able to work part time as a ride sharing driver. He dropped off a customer, turned onto a street filled with people. So clearly, no one could say he was like. Premeditated, tried to drive into a crowd. He was dropping off a rideshare customer. He stopped his car, honked. Seconds later, he drove into the crowd. But here's the deal: um, one of the guys in the crowd, this guy Garrett Foster, was holding an AK-47 rifle, and he had it pointed at him. And now, Sergeant Perry is being charged with murder. Okay, held on 300,000 bond. And here we are. Here we are, folks. Not only do we have record crime and blocking the streets and none of them are charged, but you are charged. But this is happening in Texas. How does this happen in Texas? And before your blood is too boiled, I suggest you not only support this show and sponsor, but while you're listening to this show, take a drink from the most delicious wine produced by Bonner Private Wine Partnership at conservativewine.com. We're going to need a declaration of independence from society and economy by patronizing our own places. So, what about conservative wine? It is 10 times healthier than any uh, dark red wine you've uh, drunk in your life. It's made from Malbec grapes grown at 9,000 feet in the Andes in Argentina. They've lab tested these wines and found that they contain up to 10 times the levels of longevity resveratrol is a powerful um, heart health nutrient. It pops up again and again in studies. uh, Great heart health, brain health. The wines also have 90% less sugar, fewer chemicals, fewer additives. They taste great in barbecue with steaks, notes of blackberry, leather, cherry, and smoke. Today, the guys at conservativewine.com are giving you 50% off their best Malbecs. You'll also get 50% off shipping. The wines make a great gift for others. Most of all, for yourself, just visit conservativewine.com to taste the most delicious conservative wine in the world. Now, folks, when you talk about action items, which we always like to do, this week, the Texas legislature is meeting in a special session. Obviously, they need to push border stuff and immigration stuff. And also, we had another action item, and we're going to get to this hopefully later in this week with Billy Chemmermer, that mass murderer that smothered at least 24 seniors to death and is now escaping the death penalty. They need to deal with that in the legislature. But this is another action item. They need to pass a law retroactively- um, you know, allowing people who are surrounded by a mob to drive on. Several states have passed laws like this. Florida, for one, has done that. Um, Missouri, a couple others. Montana, I believe. How come Texas hasn't passed this? How come? So that's... That's a big action. And by the way, there needs to be pressure for Governor Greg Abbott to issue a pardon. Now, I know it's one of these states where there is a parole or pardon board, so you can't do it unilaterally. But he certainly does have influence, and he needs to start talking about this publicly. How in the world could this guy be charged? Truly sick. This is what our government has become. But I want to share another story with you when we talk about this anarchy. There was a terrorist attack in America last Thursday. Now, I'm sure you never heard about it. And again, folks, these are the stories that could change a society. You're talking about changing the old and, you know, out with the old, in with the new. You need catalyzing moments to galvanize the people. We don't have that. That's because there's a complete blackout. Some of you might have heard of the story vaguely, but there's important details that implicate our entire immigration system. That question that we're importing anti-American, anti-Semitic people by the hundreds of thousands. And, and we have dangerous illegal aliens that overstay their visas. And, and the ones that overstay, you know, if you're here on good um, standing and you're doing good things academically, uh, work wise, or whatever, you're not the type who's going to be overstaying your visa, okay? Th- those are bad news. We've lost track of them. We have no control. So let's unpack this. Last Thursday, there was this guy, Rabbi Noginsky. So this Jewish rabbi, he himself was an immigrant, I believe, from Russia. And he was in front of a Boston Jewish day school last Thursday when the suspect, who we now know to be Khalid Awad, comes out and attacks him. He stabs him eight times. But if you read up on what happened and the victim's own account... This is not just another one of the many violent broad daylight street attacks, which we're certainly seeing many of them because of the domestic violence and anarchy. But this was a terror attack. Meaning it was motivated by jihad. Or at least the Jew hatred ideology of Sharia adherent Muslims. Because according to the victim... Um, he said, it's unequivocally, it was a anti-Semitic incident. This is how I feel. I felt it the moment that he was trying to kill me, not trying to steal my car. He wanted to capture me and kill me. Um, basically he offered the keys to his car. He offered his wallet, didn't take it, didn't want anything. He tried to aim for my heart, my body, which is significant. Um... So that is the story there. But in the end, the guy was able to fend it off enough that he only stabbed him in the arm and maybe once in the, in, in the stomach. So he's already out of the hospital and he obviously is going to recover from it. Now, who is Khalid Awad? Well, it turns out he is an Egyptian uh, national who entered the country two years ago on a student visa. And he dropped out of class. And as this often happens, according to law, ICE has to revoke the visa. So it was revoked in May. The question is, why was he not arrested? And the answer is, because there are, God knows how many, I mean, just in one year, there's like 700,000 visa overstays. Plus there's 1 million people with final deportation orders That should be removed who aren't removed. And another 1.5 million with pending final orders. And there's just 6,000 ICE removal officers. And this was when they were trying to do their job. Now it's not just a a matter of lack of manpower. They're not able to do the job. They're, They're totally handcuffed by the Biden administration. So ICE has been completely destroyed. So this guy could have easily killed... You know, it turns out this this rabbi seemed to be a feisty guy. He um, I think he had a black belt in judo. So he kind of like got away from him, whatever. You know, if it would have been a, a less skilled, weaker person, he would have easily stabbed the guy in the heart and killed him. And this could have been a fatality, but it wasn't. So that's why, you know, outside of Boston, you're not going to hear about it much. But this is a big deal. And there's a lot to unpack here. This guy is not just a random guy. He was studying at the University of South Florida and then dropped out of classes. But there was a history. CBS Boston, I give them credit, they did good reporting, they interviewed two of his roommates. One of them was Jewish and said that this guy had a virulent hatred for Jews. He was very violent. He attacked him one day and he actually got a court order, a protective order from a lot. Now, right away, you might be asking, I mean, we often ask this with when we talk about criminal aliens, how do you have like an illegal alien on a sex offender list? A protective order, a pending arrest, or this, or that. He should be out of the freaking country. Why are we... I, I mean, we bring in 1.1 million foreign students a year. About a third of them from China. And about 100... 100- fifteen hundred seventy thousand that I've counted by my best estimate from Middle Eastern countries. <laughs> we really can't spare one? Leave no illegal behind. So how he didn't lose his status immediately after that incident and, and, and was removed from the country is insane. But that's the point. He wasn't a random street thug. This was a terror attack. The other uh, roommate said he was very much anti-Semitic. He would say like all types of Jewish jokes. I thought he was joking at first and then I started to see seriously seriousness in his comments. Folks, we all know college campuses are bastions for anti-Semitism. Now, a lot of that as a foundation is because of the left, you have BLM. But added to that luggage is you go on any college campus now and you'll see a bunch of Arabs. And that is because we admit over 150,000 foreign students from places like half of them are from Saudi Arabia. And then you got Iran and, and Turkey and Egypt guy was from Egypt, we bring in about 3,800 a year on student visas. How in the world do you vet people like that? If I told you, there was a group of people from a part of the world where 95% of them believed that believed in white supremacism, believed that blacks were subhuman. Should we let them in the country? Should we, you know, again, you're in America, you're an American, you have the right to believe in supremacism, black supremacism, white supremacism, you have the right to be hateful, you can't act on that, you have the right to believe what you want to believe, it's First Amendment. But there is no, as we've said many times throughout the last six, seven years, discussing immigration and and ideology and people that are fit for a society, there is no First Amendment right to immigrate. And we should be vetting that. According to a Pew poll from last decade, this is a long time ago, but I doubt it's changed. They they, they poll different countries. Do you have a favorable or unfavorable view of Jews? In Egypt, the spread was 95 to 2. Now, I, I guarantee you if they hate Jews, they don't like other Americans that much either. And certainly aren't the type we want to bring in the country. Are we even vetting them? No, we're not. There's nothing to vet. When you bring in thousands of them, that's what you're bringing into this country. But again, in this case there was actually a red flag, there was a protective order from a foreign national. Some some you know, dime a dozen foreign student is is being violent, you're out of here. And again, I I would expect that of, you know, when the shoe's on the other foot. You know, once in a while you hear of Americans abroad, whether it's a college student or or on some sort of other visa, engaging in violence, they they kick them out. We don't want your garbage, you don't want our garbage, you're responsible for your own criminals. So even if they're downright criminal and they've engaged in violence, we don't do anything about it. But what's truly unsettling is that we, we bring in about 150,000 from from the Middle East on, on green cards every year. About 160,000, 170,000 on foreign students every year. That's a heck of a lot of people. How many of them believe in this stuff? We've all but forgotten the Pensacola attack. right? You remember the attack on Naval Air Station Pensil- Pensacola on Pearl Harbor Day, December 2019. Really one of the worst moments of the Trump administration. Trump talked about, you know, serious vetting, severe vetting, whatever the term he used, and the travel ban, and this was his opportunity. A Saudi Royal Air Force pilot was training Mohammed Saeed al Al Sharani, whatever his name was, And then we found out that there were an estimated 850 other Saudi trainees on military bases throughout America. And a few thousand from, from other places like Iraq, Afghanistan, Egypt, Turkey. And rather than stopping that program, certainly for military, these are A2 visas. Civilian students are F1, these are A2 visas. Mark Esper, his defense... Secretary promised to double it. I don't know if he wound up doing it then. As an aside, this was a shooting. Al-Sharami, I believe, killed three injured, like, eight. Three Americans lost their lives. And they were not allowed to carry on base. Perfect time to change that, if you remember my shows at the time. This was in the, you know, the few months preceding the COVID fascism. This is one of the last big stories before COVID fascism. It's amazing how time goes by. And he handled it horribly, his administration. That ranks up there with COVID fascism. The thing about Al-Shirani, he had a history of openly jihadist social media postings. And at the time I asked the question, I said, wait a minute. If you're telling me that we're not even checking the social media postings of Middle Eastern individuals that come here to train on military bases, flight school. What does that say about the hundreds of thousands we brought in and continue to bring in to civilian colleges? We for sure don't vet them. But this is where we are. Then there's monitoring them once they overstay their visas. He remained here illegally. Congress passed a law in 1996, 25 years ago, mandating the creation of a visa tracking system to monitor and apprehend those caught overstaying their visas. Its implementation was urged by the 9-11 Commission um, because one of the dudes was, uh, was a visa overstay. Uh, Hanj, Hanjur, was on a student visa from Saudi Arabia. And we did nothing. Here at a time when every dinky county can contact trace the heck out of you and monitor every aspect of your private health, Somehow foreign nationals from China and the Middle East and and volatile countries that are either a threat for terrorism, espionage, trade theft, somehow we can't track that? It's utterly insane. Just in 2017 alone, 700,000 individuals overstayed their visas. 85% of them still remain in the country. This was um, a report in 2014, but I'm sure it's true now. ABC News discovered that 58,000 foreign nationals had overstayed their student visas in particular. So there's a lot of different categories, but 58,000 overstayed that one year student visas. 6,000 represented it Quote, a heightened concern, probably from the Middle East, maybe a couple from China. So this is a big story, this Khalid Wad story, this attack on the Boston rabbi. But of course, you won't hear about it. You won't hear about it. Remember, most, most of this terrorism comes from abroad. We don't have to let it in, especially at a time like we opened up in our show when we have the worst domestic crime ever. The distinguishing characteristic of a strong, sovereign nation compared to what we would call an undeveloped or third world country is the ability to monitor and control an external movement into your territory and the ability to apprehend or remove those who trespass on the national private property rights of the people. Yet, through this juggernaut of big brother that we have with COVID fascism, this tyranny that we have to suffer from this existing system, we don't benefit from the most basic, basic characteristics of a first world, first rate government sovereignty, protection from foreign threats. And this happened in years past. You can imagine now with the most radical administration ever, you can imagine what's taking place. No deterrent whatsoever. 6,000 ICE agents to monitor. Several several million criminal aliens. Two and a half million with, with final or pending final removal orders. Hundreds of thousands of visa overstays. And every year we keep pumping in another 360,000 or so foreign students from China. 170,000 from the Middle East. But don't worry. Our government has your back. Now, friends, in the remaining minutes of this show, I just want to go down quickly. Spend a little bit less time, but, you know make a lightning round of different stories that I didn't get a chance to get to the last couple of days, even last week, that tie in loosely to this theme, and I'll start again in the Boston area, um, now that we're talking about that area. Wakefield standoff suspects claim to be part of a group called The Rise of the Moors. CBS Boston, again. Now, you'll notice how whenever there is a new name of something. It's very scary. If they could say there's this name of this, you know, QAnon or uh, Proud Boys, you, you make someone scared of this new group. It's a similar concept with the virus, that the Delta, Delta Plus, and now they have this, uh, a new variant they're talking about while they're panicking on Delta being the greatest thing ever, uh, move over, there's going to be another one as well. So the rise of the Moors, you'd think there would be a big deal out of it. But they don't really explain what it is that much. Interstate 95 in Wakefield was shut down by a standoff between Massachusetts State Police and a group of heavily armed men Saturday morning. The men claimed to be part of a group called the Rise of the Moors, the Moorish American Arms. It ended around 10 a.m. with a total of 11 people being taken into custody. The group claimed to be the uh, um, American nationals, but not U.S. citizens. They have a Moroccan flag. According to their website, the group is based in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Their goal is informing all Moors of their political status here in the U.S. So what's interesting is you look around and you see another militia movement. We've been talking about heavily armed militia movements that are black nationalists in some way. This has its own flavor to it. And it's being completely ignored by the culture, media, politics, everything, even though it poses a much greater risk than anything that could be called a white militia. And what's crazy about this story is the Jerusalem Post put out on Twitter residents in a suburban Boston neighborhood were asked to shelter in place early Saturday as an armed standoff between eight to 10 militia members and police forced the closure of a U.S. interstate highway. Notice what is missing. They didn't say who they are. Now, this I can't give over through audio, but if you would look at their tweet, it showed white individuals with rifles and like camo, one that had a Confederate flag lapel pin on him. They put that picture, depicted that, to describe a black supremacist organization. This is how dishonest these people are. So anyway, as I noted last week, this is certainly a growing, growing threat. Um, and 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 again, we don't have enough of our own. We have foreign nationals we bring in. This is also from last week. A man accused of mugging. This is from the Washington Times. Um, then mugging, then spitting at a Filipino-American family is an illegal alien who is still loose on the streets of San Francisco four separate times. Carlos Claros already had a lengthy rap sheet and was even on probation at the time of the April attack. But San Francisco repeatedly refused to cooperate with ICE, released him after each run-in. He approached a family of 18 people, including children, tried to rob them at gunpoint. It's funny, I thought immigrants can't Carry a gun. This guy's an illegal. Khalid Awad, who attacked the rabbi, actually also did have a gun too, that he initially pointed at him. I forgot to mention that. It's funny, how do you get a gun? Isn't it unlawful? Yeah, so much for gun control. But immigration control and criminal control certainly does work, but that we don't try. Um, basically this guy, um Claros, you know, said something about being Asian, spat at one of them. And it turns out that this guy has a massive, massive rap sheet. Massive rap sheet, um, burglary, domestic violence, stolen property, drug possession, um, strong-armed robbery spree in 2019. He was a part of that. He was on probation at the time of the April robbery that we're talking about now. Probation, protective orders, How do we have that against foreign nationals that could and should be removed? Now, you'd think these issues of our time, man, crime, illegal immigration, visa overstays, mass Middle Eastern migration, we would have a political party that would fight with equal and opposing force the policies that Democrats have pushed to create this scenario. I mean, it's such a winning issue. You look at crime... Um, there's this great article someone sent me from this website jabberwalking.com um, you could google if you hate the culture wars blame liberals and it goes through some interesting data on just in general how it's the left that has shifted much farther left not the right as we always have noted and he says an interesting line that just demonstrates how stupid Republicans are by buying into jailbreak criminal justice to form Clinton voters with conservative views on crime, policing, and public safety were far more likely to switch to Trump than voters with less conservative views on those issues. And having conservative views on those issues were more predictive of switching from Clinton to Trump than having conservative views on any other issue set. Any other issue set. Think about that. Think about that. Crime is the most potent political issue Republicans won't touch it, but they'll do even worse. Breitbart reported this over the weekend, my buddy John Binder. Arkansas Republicans help give professional licenses to illegal aliens. They have a super majority. They have the trifecta. They've We've pushed some good things there. But this happened back in April, and it just demonstrates that I was even following the Arkansas legislature, but I can't follow every bill in every state. And this is what happens when we don't even know this is happening. Months later, it comes out through the Breitbart Report. Arkansas Republicans, including Governor Asa Hutchinson, have helped secure professional licenses for illegal aliens enrolled in DACA. Obama's illegal amnesty will allow the state's nearly 5,000 recipients to hold government-issued work permits, obtain licenses and various things. Only about four Republicans, only four voted against this. We talked about this last week with the Florida legislature slipping in this um, bill that almost pushed like something like critical race theory and then another one that offered more opportunities for juvenile felons to have their records expunged. At a time when we need to be tougher on crime. Tougher on illegal immigration. They don't do any of that. All they do is the opposite. And we didn't know about it. Same thing here. Just four Republicans. Including my buddy Trent Garner. Act 746. Formerly HB 1735. That's the bill. Act forty six, uh, 746. Passed the House 88 to 3. And the Senate 34 to 1. Unbelievable. Except, whereas in Florida with that crime bill, DeSantis vetoed it here. I mean, Hutchinson's a pure rhino like we have in most of these states. This is where we are. This is where we are. These are the type of Republicans we have. This is why if if you're in Arkansas and you want to be, I still don't have a team leader, constitutionaction.com. This is my point. Create a committee, you know, let's say you have 20, 30, 40 people in your group. You have five to 10 people focused like a laser beam on the legislative sessions. So you don't miss any bad thing they're passing and you alarm people. You could stop it very easily. The reason we don't is because we don't even know it passed. We don't even know this stuff comes up. This is where it's at. We have to break that old mold. The old failed mold of activism. It's unbelievable what we're having from Republicans. Truly unbelievable. You have in West Virginia... Jim Justice, that piece of garbage. He's now saying anyone, you know, we have a lottery for those who want to be vaccinated. It's a whole pickup truck and the gun thing. You could win a lottery. But he called people who don't get the jab a death lottery. This is what we have in West Virginia. That's what I'm telling you. I don't want to hear we have this movement complaining and all this stuff and this and that. And they don't even control their own areas. You have the worst of the worst in their own areas. And meanwhile, you you know, so you have, you know, no death penalty for Billy Chamber in Texas. You got Sergeant Perry being charged with murder for defending himself from a BLM roadblock and a guy pointing an AK at him in Texas. You got in Arkansas, them, you know, giving jobs to illegals. You got in West Virginia, COVID fascism worse than in Maryland. We can't have secession because we don't even have red states. That could all change. And you know what? There are some good signs. Axios reports that... Halfway through 2021 there are at least 51 local recall efforts involving K-12 school boards that have been initiated this year, targeting at least 130 elected members of those boards. So we have spawned this revolution of school board fights. This is where we need to keep it real. I mean, do it anywhere and everywhere. California obviously has the most at 22, but Arizona and Idaho have six and four respectively, recalls. So this is good. We need to make red states red again, and it starts with those school boards, the county elections. Obviously, the governor races are going to be so, so critical, like never before. The state-based GOP primaries next year, from county to state officials, I don't care about the federal elections. They will truly be the most important elections of our lifetime. Because they will be the final litmus test to whether we've learned our lesson one iota, even in the areas where we totally control. After everything we've gone through in this country the last two years, the COVID fascism, the open borders, the reverse Jim Crow systemic black supremacism, The racism against whites. The censorship. The crushing of our culture. The stealing of our elections. If that doesn't change us even. And we're not even talking about greater solutions. We're still talking about just elections. But at least local and state elections. And red states. If that doesn't change anything. Then our goose is totally cooked. So folks that's where we are. Some more perspective we're going to talk about this week with what it means to fight back with our ConAction teams, but sign up at ConAction.com. I need team leaders in most states. We're going to get West Virginia off the ground very soon, and this is very exciting times. Lots of opportunities, but again, these windows are very narrow in terms of what we can do and when we can do it. We'll be covering more, following up on more crime stories. We'll get back to some COVID fascism stuff. We have some interesting news later this week on lawsuits. I'm going to be speaking with some of the victims uh, or daughters of the victims of Billy Chemmermer, the worst mass murderer probably in American history, in my view. And we're going to be talking about what we can do in some of these states, these state legislatures. The special sessions. We gotta pay attention. And you know what? Texas is gonna be so critical. Alan West just threw his hat in the ring. So now we have at least three candidates. My colleague here, Brad uh, Chad Prather. I mean, um, he he was the first to announce. He got uh, Don Huffines. I had him on the show. Alan West now. And again, I'm not so worried at this point about endorsing anyone. I I'm not. In a position where I can make that determination yet, I have to let it stew a little bit and think about it and and talk to each one of them. So, you know, I'm not making an endorsement, but we don't have to because there is a runoff. Um, So if anything, the more candidates who get in that have name recognition, money, different parts of the state, the better it is because it will draw attention to the need for Texas to be as independent as it can. It will force Greg Abbott, if nothing else, to move to the right. I mean, that's what my challenge to these candidates is, whoever feels they're the best, put your ideas out there. Show us what you do right now on the border, on crime. I want to hear people talk about bringing back the death penalty in a more robust way to Texas in light of Billy Chemmer escaping the death penalty. I want to hear them talk about self-defense laws with BLM checkpoints and pardoning Sergeant Perry. Let's hear it. And that will push Greg Abbott further to the right. So again, I'm happy to be back here as always. Um, Enjoyed the weekend off, but... We celebrated our independence. Now we got to fight for it anew. Till tomorrow. God bless y'all. And thank you for listening.